This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, cost, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com slash coach for more information. Coach Me Up, here we are on another episode of the Coach Me Up podcast. I am juiced up for this one, Jimmy. Clark Kellogg. Uh, for those of us who love college basketball, one of the voices over the last, what, 30 years yeah. of the great game of college basketball. Tell us what we have in store from Special K here in this episode. Yeah, when Chris Burke and Jimmy Dykes get to sit down and talk to Clark Kellogg, that's going to be a special time for both of us because <laughs> Clark and I do the same job. We're college basketball analysts. He's with CBS. I'm with ESPN. Uh, he, he's, he's done it all. Played in the NBA. Uh, the voice of the NCAA basketball tournament for years and years and years now in that studio as a as an analyst. But he has a tremendous uh, story of how God brought him uh, to a relationship uh, with his son Jesus through his son Jesus, and uh, he's a special guy. And uh, no no college basketball analyst right now has a free thirty minutes. Uh, it's hard to get that time, but man. We, we we got it out of him. Yeah, uh, coming up right now. So special K Clark Kellogg is going to do a fantastic job of speaking to our hearts right now. Special K, man, my, my buddy Chris Burke is so fired up. I, I am as well, but when I mentioned to Chris that Clark Kellogg was going to be our next guest, I could just feel through the text message. He probably jumped down on the floor and started doing push-ups, man. He was <laughs> fired up. He was fired up, but... Uh, man, Clark, thank you for your time. You're, this is our busy time. You and I both, we're college basketball analysts, and we're rolling right now. So uh, we're going to spend about 25, 30 minutes with you just to talk a little bit about ball to start with. I mean, you're like me. You have a big picture of what's going on in college basketball. Just a, a couple of big stories that jump out to you right now as we're you know five, six weeks away from uh, Selection Sunday. Well, Jimmy, first, let me say it's great to be with both you and Chris, man. I uh, watch you from afar and love your heart and the way you do what we get to do. We're privileged to do what we get to do, man, to be engaged in the game that I fell in love with at the age of nine or 10. Got exposed to it, had an aptitude for it early. God gave me a little size that's not always common. Uh, Great support from family and coaches and friends. And the dream of someday playing for pay came to fruition after uh, a 21-year journey in the game from 10 to 21 when I was drafted by the Pacers. But the love affair with the game continues, and I'm so grateful that uh, I have an opportunity to be part of the fraternity of the game in in multiple ways. Uh, You know, you look across the landscape of this season, a couple of things jump out at me. Actually, a few things. One, the number of really good big guys that are in college basketball. That hasn't been the case recently, but the last few years we've had 
a number of big guys, Sheboy and Timmy and obviously Zach Eady, the big maple, um, and perhaps the national player of the year. Where Well, he is in my mind. Yeah. Jalen Wilson giving him a run for the, his money, but I think there's still a pretty healthy gap. But the number of big guys that are out there playing and making an impact, the, the, the fact that a number of guys that may have flirted or considered leaving college for the NBA – decided to come back and in, in, in some ways because of NIL, I think, the opportunity to be able to uh, monetize their name, image and likeness, to be able to create some revenue for themselves and perhaps take some burdens off their families if they happen to be in that circumstance or situation. Uh, yep. So that's been good. Teams are older by and large as a result of the transfer portal. You don't see many teams that are at the top of the pyramid in terms of production and success really fall significantly. They tend to have a pretty narrow range of falling. And some of that is because of the um, transfer portal. Not all of what the transfer portal has created is good, uh, but in large measure, any time that uh, student athletes have rights that other students have, I'm in favor of it. So those are the things that jump out. And no great teams, I think. Uh, you know, I think yeah, we've I got agree. a number of really good teams, Jimmy. You've seen a bunch. You get out and do a ton of games. Um, I watch reams and reams of games, as you do. Um, but no real great teams. A lot of good teams that I think are going to make uh, – well, the madness of March is always uniquely special. It's a secret sauce that is uh, one of the great events on the calendar. So, But those are a couple of things that, that jump out at me on the, on the largest yeah. scale. Big guys – NIL and its impact on helping um, guys that may have left stay in school, the um, fact that teams are able to get older quicker and stay pretty competitive even if they lose um, outstanding players um, from a season ago. So, Clark, I'm going to ask you a question. You talked about the big guys. I'm going to go the opposite direction. Okay. And I went to Tennessee, so this is very much a homer question, but it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> one, I think, okay? You played in an era where – the game wasn't maybe quite as tall at the guard position. There was maybe more diminutive uh, impact players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it seems like the trend has been longer and longer and longer. Yet, I think, Jimmy, I think you would agree with me, Zakai Ziegler has as good a shot as anybody to be the SEC player of the year. Like, the kid is literally playing at a dominant level, and he's – Maybe he's five foot nine. You know, like that, that's what you they know. That's the program at. height, Chris. You know that's <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so yeah, he yeah. is. Uh, what he hold Carr the other day, scoreless in the first half. Right? They tried to yeah. post him up. He just he just fights you on every dribble. And you know, I, I wonder is you know they got him like really late. They saw him at the Peach Jam. He wrote, yeah, everybody knows the story. Is is he a unicorn, or are there more players at with his height and skill set? that could do it, that don't get a chance? Well, my thought on that is because of the nature of the game, the pace and space with which the game is played now, the emphasis on the three-point line, the emphasis on playmakers and shot makers, I think that does create a landscape where smaller, skilled, elite shot makers, playmakers can have more of an impact. Um, Clearly, length, And athleticism is always, particularly at the next level, is always going to be significantly important because those are the best guys in the world. But in the college game, there's I think there's always been room for the um, smaller player, but things ebb and flow um, because 
the game, it became became more athletic in the last 25 years or so with bigger guys doing more things from a skill standpoint that tended to create uh, this trend of having um, what we call positionless basketball, where you have size and length on the wings and playmakers so you can actually impact at both ends defensively as much as offensively. But no, I think there's room and there are a number of uh, really good um, smaller guys out there that are having an impact, and we'll get to see a bunch of them come tournament time for sure. Hey, Clark, you, you use a phrase there talking about players overall in the world. And I, when, I, when I, if someone said to, to describe Clark Kellogg to them, I would say that he is a shining, shining example of someone who's in the world. Uh, former NBA player, national TV, played horse with President Barack Obama. <laughs> like he's, he's, He's been all everywhere, uh, but he's not of the world. I think you're a great example of your kindness. Your spirit just jumps out that Jesus is in your heart. Talk about that, and and uh, not not so much do you see yourself like that, but the importance of us as believers to be in the world but not of the world, please. Well, this is an ongoing process. I gave my heart and life to Christ back in November of 86, so I just celebrated my 36th year of being born again, being made new through faith in Christ, a right relationship with God through faith in Christ, who lived perfectly, died for the sake of our sinful nature, and by entrusting my life to Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, uh, providing the, the way for me to enter into relationship with God, that changed my life and continues to change and shape and inform and influence my life. The scriptures are living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. They, um, they divide joint and marrow, bone and spirit. They judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, the living word, God's revelation of who he is, who his son is, what is who his Holy Spirit is, and what he desires for us in, in, in reflecting his image and being his image bearers in the world, um, in a world that's at war with our hearts with the yep. soul that resides in our heart. So um, for me, uh, I'm always seeking to be in union and communion with the Lord through his word, through fellowship with his people, uh, and through um, allowing that word to water my heart. And so Ooh, I as like I that. go about interacting in the places and spaces that God has me, uh, I take seriously and literally the mandate that I am made in his image and I'm to be an outpost of his light and love and goodness and justice and mercy and kindness and faithfulness wherever I am at all times. And that is a high calling, but he promises that he's always with us and does not leave yeah. nor forsake us. So he's with me in the places where I go and I'm with him and desiring to be naturally manifesting uh, who he is in me. And that only happens, that only happens as we abide in him and allow his word to water our souls. And kindness to me, Jimmy, is a... Uh, really powerful, powerful 
frame of mind and way of being. I had a coach tell me at a college, at a high school basketball camp, I was, I think I was maybe eighth grade. And this coach, um, Herb Sudak, was a coach at Case Western Reserve University, um, Division III school in Cleveland. I'm a Cleveland native. And um, at that time, I had started to show prowess as a player. I mean, I'm an eighth grader. I'm playing with 10th and 11th graders, and nobody could tell the difference other than I'm gangly and not as physically mature. But in terms of holding my own out there, I'm able to do it with guys older than me, and I'm playing with the older guys at camp. And he comes and speaks, and he pulls me aside after – after uh, uh, after his session and says, Clark, you've got a chance to do um, really good things in the game because you've been gifted with ability. And if you keep working hard and so forth, you've got a chance to be a heck of a player. But uh, let me tell you this. He said, it's uh, nice to be good, but it's better to be nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Now, that's rare advice in the game of competitive basketball. And we've we've had some conversations on here about the lion and the lamb and the, the, the character of Jesus that's so fascinating and this concept of can I tear your heart out trying to get a bucket, but but do it in a way that um, doesn't misrepresent uh, the work God's done in your life. And so I'm curious, did that did that confuse you at all? No, not at that time. I didn't come to Christ until well after I had gone <clears> through high school college, and even my short MBA career. It was... But it even seems to me that that would be even more confusing prior to knowing the Lord. You know, you know, not, you know because I was raised in a home, even though my mom and dad um, weren't churchgoers, there was a Judeo-Christian value system mm. that mm. the okay. country more or less adhered to as yeah, I was growing right. up in the yeah. late mm-hmm. 60s, early 70s, mid 70s, late 70s. I mean, the country was more God-centric in how we thought and acted and lived, and that's obviously gone a different direction. Um, but my folks were of that ilk. Um, as I came to faith, my, some of my man mentors would say I was a happy pagan at the time. But, <laughs> but, but, but there were good things in terms of how I was raised. Um, be a gentle giant. Um, treat mm-hmm. people the way you'd like to be treated. Uh, don't ever think of yourself more highly than you are. Those weren't the words that my folks used, but that was the example. And what was implied. And so that was right in line with what I had been kind of raised to, to think what Coach Sudak shared with me. And it resonated. I mean, it's still something I recall clearly and fondly mm. from, I'm 61 now. So that was, you know, 50 years, well, mm. almost yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah, Clark, I, I read that you came to faith after, you know, knee problems cut your NBA career short and you were at a place where a lot of people have found themselves in this world is kind of what what's it all about? What's what am I doing here? Where am yeah. I going? What who made me? What's mm-hmm. my purpose in life? Yeah. Um, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are either searching for that currently mm-hmm. or they are leading people or having influence on people who are searching for that. And a lot of them, because it's you know, kind of a sports genre podcast are, are leading people that are searching for their purpose in sports. Mm. I would I would love to hear you speak to the hearts of our listeners about the journey God had you on um, to find him and how that gave you the purpose you were searching for. Oh, great question, Chris. And uh, we know from scripture that we don't necessarily search for God. God is always beckoning for us to acknowledge and receive who he is. And he 
gives us ample opportunity through people in our lives, through circumstances. Charles Stanley talks about 10 things that tend to often lead one to seek out or at least acknowledge and explore who God is and um, disappointment, um, loss, uh, dried up finances, uh, unanswered prayer, uh, health situations. I can't list all 10, but again, there are circumstances yeah, for me. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me, for me, it was um, obviously um, loss, loss of what had been my identity and what had been on the center of my throne, which was yep. basketball. And it had served me well, but it wasn't the intended purpose for why I was created. My purpose for being is to reflect um, God, to love him, to know him, and to um, relate to him and to make him known to others through the life that he breathes in me. And that's the ultimate purpose. And that should be what is the centering anchor of, of one's life based on scripture and God being the uncreated creator. Um, so my wife had been in a home where her parents had confessed Christ. And even though she hadn't gone to church or given her life to the Lord before we got married, um, she was influential during that time. Obviously the gap in my schedule when I'm hurt and rehabbing and not traveling and not playing gives you time to um, cause and pause a little bit. Uh, there were people in my circle that had exposed me to faith. I wasn't quite ready to hear it, but I did eventually in the spring of 86, allow the local chaplain, local minister who had started conducting chapel services for the Pacers, um, led by the Spirit of God, I found out later, a gentleman by the name of Brian Chapman showed up and started availing himself to conduct pregame chapel services. And after hiding from him for a little while in the training room or somewhere else where he couldn't have access, <laughs> I decided to sit down and have breakfast with him. And uh, from that point on, the living, active Word of God started to convict me of my need for um, a Savior and that my identity um, wasn't based on what I did. It was who I am and who I belong to. And that's the challenge that we all face, right? We all face yeah. the challenge of surrendering to who God says we're to be uh, as opposed to what appeases our ego or our flesh. It feels good to be known. It feels good to excel in sports, uh, commentating sports and whatever it happens to be that you're gifted to do. It feels good and the world rewards that, whether it's monetarily or just with adulation and special privileges. So that um, is fine when in proper perspective. It can't be the center. It can be a hub in your wheel, a spoke in your wheel, but that can't be the center of who you are. Clark, you mentioned that the, the loss of what you had on your throne, which was the game of basketball. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through life and they, they, they come to a moment where, where you're at, um, and, but they don't have a chaplain. They don't have buddies around them. They're, they're driving right now in their car. They're lost. Uh, their world has, has crashed around them for whatever reason. Um, and they think, I, I, don't have, I don't have that person to go to. Mm -hmm. What do they do? What do they do? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Well, you start with the heavens declare God's glory. Yep, yep. Look around. I know human beings are marvelous creatures, but they didn't make themselves. The no. air we breathe, the sky we see, the sun and the oceans, the magnificent Creation. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies 
proclaim the work of his hands day after day, night after night. A yeah, fourfold speech. And there is no place where his voice is not heard. Nature testifies to God. Look around. There's a creator. Uncreated has always been who wants to nurture and love you and wants to work in you and bring about goodness in your life. Not perfection, not ease, but goodness now and going forward. And that's a hard thing to grasp, but there's evidence. There's evidence of it when we open our hearts and our eyes. And sometimes you have to come to your to the end of yourself to recognize that there is a God. And this yeah. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. You have to beautifully put yeah. wow yeah. he wants to he wants to he wants to know you he's chosen you he loves you and he wants to have you enjoy life with him together mm-hmm. and that's a that's a powerful picture um, especially when you taste a sampling of the lord and his goodness Hey, just want to interrupt us for a second to remind everyone that our Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Go to onecountry.com, check out what they're doing. They have a fantastic giveaway each month, and they are phenomenal at when you get, you give. They have a huge heart for giving to others. So jump in there, become a member of their team as well. Those are my friends here in Northwest Arkansas, and this podcast isn't possible without One Country. Clark, I'm... I'm um excited as most Americans are to, to witness uh, two African-American quarterbacks going head to head in the Super Bowl yeah. this coming week. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if you followed this storyline, but it's been pretty present the last couple of days about um, the presence of both of these young quarterbacks, fathers yeah. wow. in their lives mm-hmm. and, and praising the fact that these two men are both so, obviously insanely talented, but also seem to be such grounded leaders. They're both, they both, I was reading a Sports Spectrum article this morning to my sons uh, about Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts quoted John 13, seven after uh, the championship game. I don't know if you saw that article, but he said it was really fascinating. It was, I've never heard an athlete quote this passage when talking about persevering under trial. And it was when Jesus was washing the disciples feet. And Peter isn't going to let him wash his feet. Remember John 13, 7? And, yeah. and he's like, no, 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 no. No, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus is like, you, you don't understand. Now you don't understand, but you will. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the, the famous pa- passage where he says, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash, yeah, wash all yeah, of me. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it all. Give me right? a bath. Give me a nice bath. Give me a bath. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> it all. Right. So Jalen Hurts quotes that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this isn't, I'm not trying to, um, uh, trivialize any passage of scripture, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But this isn't James 1, 2. This mm-hmm. isn't Romans 8, 28. Like he he said John 13, 7. I was like, wow, you know, that that sounds like somebody who's in the word. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. he tripped over that one uh, on a billboard somewhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and, right. uh, yeah. So anyway, my, my, my question is, um, what are your impressions uh, of those two men? And and also the the, the powerful example of, um, 
you know, both of them have unique stories. Obviously, yeah. we we marvel over Patrick Mahomes, and he kind of feels like a unicorn. But there's there's just you know he's six and five as a college starter, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those two men and 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 what they're doing to shine their light on, on these big stages. Chris, there's so much to unpack. There's so much good stuff. You talk about the impact and importance and influence of dads. That's the greatest responsibility I have. Uh, blessed. Rosie and I with three adult children now, uh, three grandchildren, a fourth grandchild Mm. on the way. Um, Mm, Congrats. The role and responsibility and privilege and joy um, of being a dad, man, is um, it's almost indescribable. Uh, My dad had a tremendous influence on me. He and my mom are both deceased, but um, love that I grew up in a stable home and he was a police officer for over 40 years, um, coach, coached me in my first organized basketball game through the Police Athletic League, an organization that policemen um, were part of in the communities in which they served to connect to young people through sports. And uh, not perfect by any stretch, but um, stable, solid, loving, consistent. And uh, I think about that in my own journey as a dad the mistakes I've made, some of the regrets that you have to live with when you've maybe chosen your own activities over time with your kids or your work schedule or what it might be. But by and large, your influence carries great weight. And to hear, and I've not read the stories, but to watch those two guys do what they do um, using their gifts and then to do it the way they do it. Great joy, um, great commitment to the team, great work ethic around their craft, nothing about them, everything about them as I see it from a distance is excellence. Not perfection, but the quest to be the best with what I have. And that's inspirational and instructive for all of us. We all aren't gonna have the same platform, but we all have a sphere of influence. We all have opportunities to not allow what we can't do to keep us from doing what we can do. And we all can be lights, outposts of goodness based on our personality, our unique circumstances. But man, I love what Jalen Hurts' story has been because I've watched it. I mean, Tua taking over in a championship game, him staying the course not running. I mean, again, everybody's circumstance is different, and I don't want to cast shade on folks that make other decisions, but that's a real shining example of staying the course, committing to the process, understanding that what's happening immediately can be used for good down the road if you handle it right and continue to work, and all of that's played out for both of them in so many different ways. Um, So just tremendous young models, and then you highlight the fact that it's two um, black quarterbacks Manning a position that for decades folks thought couldn't be manned successfully by, by black um, quarterbacks for whatever reason. Black quarterbacks being forced to change position historically and now nah, we can go on and on. And yeah, mm-hmm. so there's, um, there's, there's historical context and, um, and uplift to see. And I'm sure that's um, a huge, that's going to be part of the storyline. And um, these guys have handled, and you know, we tend to sometimes, I think, dismiss the challenge of handling surplus well, whether it's financial, visibility, notoriety. People tend to just automatically assume that life doesn't happen to these people that have Mm. 
some favor and blessing. Life happens to all of us. Life does not discriminate. It doesn't discriminate at all. Now, clearly, there are some levels of comfort and opportunity and access. Those are different capitals that you might acquire through your ability, your knowledge, your giftedness in a sport, what have you. But that doesn't excuse you or dismiss you from life. And so when you have those mantles, the responsibility uh, and the light is great, so too is the opportunity to mishandle it. And when you mm-hmm, see folks, mm-hmm. when you see folks that handle it, uh, not perfectly, but well, steward it well, steward influence and steward capital well, it causes my heart to rejoice in all of its manifestations. It could be on the grandest stage of the Super Bowl. It can be um, the person at the hotel that we stay at taking care of the needs of the, of the guests. But when you see it, yep. it causes your heart to rejoice and thank God. Man, we, we, we are, we're taking, Chris and I are taking notes while you're talking. Yeah, like, like lots of them. You, you, lots of them. You're coaching us up, which is exactly what we wanted. But uh, last thing, uh, the linebacker for the Bengals, Osai, uh, made, a, made a play late that, that most people say probably changed the game. Um, Talk to us right now about that picture of that mm. young man sobbing on mm. the bench, sobbing on the bench, a pro stud, yeah. 22, three-year-old guy, broken on the bench about uh, what he sees as a life-changing mistake. Uh, but the, I, I, I don't know him. I just have to feel like there's a story that just is beginning mm. to be written that he will not be defined mm. by that yeah. mistake. Wow, I appreciate you bringing. It. Yeah, but there, but Clark, there's people out there that that are believing yeah. that lie about yeah. themselves. Yeah, man. So speak to them. Yeah, please. our self talk is so critically important, man. We're in our own heads more than anybody else is. And what governs our self talk? What moves us to truth in the midst of the noise of external voices? Where are we anchored in our self-talk? That's a hard pill for Osai to swallow because it was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. It was a costly mistake. Not all of our mistakes get away from costliness. Some of them do. Some of them we don't get the, the the, the wrath of consequences from our choices, but others do. And they're costly and they're painful. But nothing is wasted when we belong to God. Nothing in our lives is wasted. And even if he's not there, this is something that won't be wasted if handled in the right manner. Acknowledge the pain, the disappointment, the heartache of it, the cost of it. But to your point, None of us should be defined by singular moments. They'll certainly, some of them will stand out, good or bad, but the totality of the fabric of our life is what matters. And we have to be able to anchor ourselves in the truth of that amidst the noise and steroid-type amplification that exists in today's world with social media. Everything. I don't know how, Jimmy, I, I, I was extremely highly touted 
coming out of high school, man, I was one of the I was part yeah. of the perhaps by consensus the best high school basketball class ever, 1979. Yeah, you were. And I was considered one of the top yep. two or three players in that count class. Isaiah Worthy, Dominique, Terry Cummings, Byron Scott, Quentin Daly, Antoine Carr, yeah. Cliff Levingston, Sidney Lowe, yeah. Thurl Bailey, John Paxson, Steve Stop. I can go on and on. Ridiculous, and yes. On. I don't know what that would have been like in this day and age. Because it was too, it was a it was mm. overkill then for me in 79. Yeah. yeah. The amount of attention in my hometown of Cleveland and throughout the state of Ohio was huge. And now that's a tremendous challenge for guys and ladies, all of us, that amplification. So the self-talk, how we see ourselves, how we allow God to speak to who we are in the midst of our mess-ups and mistakes and successes really for me, is the, the answer. You know, you tend to have, you, we all sometimes are prone to falling into the snare of compare. One of my dear friends, Eric Nelson with Athletes in Action, talks about the snare of compare. You know, what am I doing compared to other analysts? Am I as active on social media as I should be compared to what people think? Or am I to do it according to what's best for my lane in agreement with who God says I am and what I should be doing. I want to be fully who God wants me to be in all the places that he has me, but I don't want to be any more or less than what he would have me to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's, a daily, that's a daily commitment to try to fight and, and win, that, win that fight with his help. Let me just, just say to the end of that, the, those who are struggling with the, you know, I'm beyond God's grace, or I've I've made a mistake that that defines me, and and that's it for me. Move like the picture of being on a team, and I don't know if you saw both on the bench right after it happened, and then in the locker room. I'm, I'm I forget the guy's name. One of his teammates literally stood right next to him as he answered questions after the game. He just he just yeah. stood next to him. He just Hill. he was just I think it was Hill. He yeah. was just there. You know what I'm saying? And what I would what I would encourage anybody listening, like find yourself a church home and link arms with some people that love you, not for who you are and what you've done or haven't done, but for for who God says that you are. And man, we are all stronger when we're linking arms, all of us. We can't say how much we appreciate your time, and you're right in the middle of it, like I am. But uh, I, I know God's going to use this thirty minutes. You, you really, thank you, brother. Spoke with with clarity and conviction. We saw your heart. I, I knew. I, I, I told Chris. So I'm just telling you, he'll, he'll be fantastic. We don't even have to set up talking points with him. Just <laughs> make, make sure our stuff is working, and let Amen. God take over. Amen. And uh, man, I have, I have tremendous, tremendous, tremendous respect for who you thank are. You, not what you do, appreciate but who you are. I no, no, I appreciate it. I feel so. that anytime we've had a chance to interact, be in the same place and space, that's a mutual, mutual feeling. It's one of the gifts God gives us as members of his family when we yeah. connect, whether it's um, nose to nose or it's by way of technology or just across the airwaves. There's a, there's a kindred spirit that he, um, he uses to fuel and feed us. And so thank you. And you too, Chris. And all the others out there listening, I know folks that are listening often pray for us as they see us 
on the air. I know folks are dropping me texts and praying for me as they see me, and I'm grateful and appreciative and know that gives me strength to try to represent the um, King of Kings and Lord of Lords in a way that uh, would make him smile and edify others. Special K was special, Chris. Man, that guy, you could just, you can hear his heart. Uh, so many things like all the other guests we've had. I just, when I was nonstop writing before thinking about the next thing I want to ask him, but uh, what jumped out to you to start with? Uh, so much. Uh, I think the way scripture flows off his tongue, um, you know, he, he, he quoted one of my favorite verses there, Hebrews 4.12. The word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the marrow. Like you start, you ever yeah. do a study on what marrow is and um, just the uh, descriptive nature of that language of how powerful God's word is. And, uh, you know, he's talking Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, just... Just such a natural uh, bright light that doesn't seem manufactured or uh, he's not trying to sell you nothing. It's just his no. heart, you know, how the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he's a clear example of that. Yeah, I, I had circled here. He said that his talking about God's word. He said his word waters my heart. Man, I've never I'm sure I've heard that before. I, I don't know if I have, honestly, because it really jumped out at me. But. What a beautiful picture that is. The time that we're spending alone with God and His written word is exactly what that is. It, he's watering our heart. And we all know that everything in life needs water to grow. And I've never looked at it like that. I've never thought of it like that. You know, I mean, I've thought of it in different ways, but that was just a really good picture for me uh, as I go downstairs here after this podcast for my quiet time. Uh, to think about, man, this is all this is is time for God to water my heart. I that was I was so well well put uh, in place by how he said that. I, I tell you something else that that I think can be a talking point. I was uh, greatly impacted by an athletes in action, Dave Tegelar down at University of Tennessee, athletes in action uh, pastor down there who uh, invited me to my first ever Bible study. Right, just coming out of the weight room as a freshman in college, like yeah, I'll go. I don't know. Yeah. Spirit just prompted me. I raised my hand, showed up. There's three or four of us. Raised in a godly home, but still trying to figure it out very much on my own, right? And then after I got drafted, I was really, really um, encouraged, edified, uh, convicted through the uh, ministry of what's called Baseball Chapel, which is a organization out there that provides chaplains to every professional baseball, whether it's the big leagues or rookie ball, there's uh -huh. somebody there on a Sunday to share the word and pray with guys and have a kind of a community of fellowship. It's, a, it's your church during the year. Right, right. right. Yeah. And so a, a huge impact on my life, huge impact. And, you know, him telling us the story of how essentially the Pacers chaplain is, is led him to the Lord along with some other things through his wife and her family and things like that. But I just sit there and think, Sports is definitely an idol in our culture. There's no question about that. We constantly have to wrestle with our place in that. Right, right. And how we feed our families and uh, how we spend our professional lives. But it can be used for good. It can Absolutely. be so used for good. And I think about just because something um, 
can can be too much doesn't mean it also can't lead somebody to the Lord. And I, I think right. here's a guy that has, you know, bore so much fruit throughout his life and he was saved through sports. Um, and so I would just say to our listeners, like when you're battling with the conflict of is my, am I doing, you know, like you can use it for good. The question is, are you? Yeah. Right. Yeah, or yeah. like, say you're coaching a team. Are you, maybe you, that's not your sweet spot, but can you bring someone else in that can use it to point people to the Lord? Like there's uh-huh. such an opportunity there. Uh, even though it can be a very conflicting world, the world of sports. Yeah. You know, when I ask him, what about someone that doesn't have a buddy or a church to, to, to yoke up with and they're, they're, they're down, they're out. Uh, he, he talked about what the Bible teaches about nature, that we all know there's awareness of God. But it also opened my eyes to, uh, to look for examples to, to, to come along someone because uh, they're, they're out there. They cross our paths all the time. I'm just probably too, uh, too, too selfish and too self-centered to see the needs in other people. So hoping my eyes will be open to that. I like what he said, that not all mistakes cost us, uh, but some do. Some do. Some, some cost us way, way more than others. But as he said, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Even our, our worst, lowest moment, nothing is wasted uh, if we turn it over to God and say, God, use this. Teach me, use this. Sharpen me. Grow me. Uh, I, I left his heart on well, that. And, and I think it, the scriptures, one of the most powerful, believable things about scriptures is that that that's uh, littered in God's word. Yes, littered, it is. David, yeah. Peter, uh, you know, th- this constantly throughout the course, Paul, throughout, throughout the course of scriptures, we see big mistakes followed by God's amazing, amazing grace. Yep. And then all this fruit and all these um uh, stories that can come from that. And so, you know, anybody that's selling a, a theology that says you have to be perfect or any, it's just not, it's not the God of the Bible. It's no. not, it's not the story of grace. Um, this unmerited forgiveness that, that Jesus offers. So uh, for those of you out there that, and we all can beat ourselves up. I remember Tom Crean talked about sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's real. Yeah. Last last point uh, that I circled. I love how I put it: the snare of compare. That's a good one. That, that's a good one because I think we all get. I I do. I'm not going to say we all, but I just know I do. Man, I can get pulled into that. What Clark was saying. Uh, what games are other analysts doing? How many games are other analysts doing? How active are they on social media? What are people saying about them on social media? On and on and on and on and on. And we all have that voice of compare, that snare snare trappage of compare that we have to stay alert to and away from uh, and trusting uh, that God's truth, like he said, it's our self-talk. Our, the talk that we have with ourselves is so important. And Clark talked about that, what moves us to truth, what moves us to our anchor spot when all these voices of comparison start pulling at us. So, uh, Yeah, that was, was, that was powerful, no doubt about it. I, you know, he, he talked about being a dad and what a big deal that is. And, of uh-huh. course— you know, we, we talked about Jalen Hurts and, and this idea of, of stewarding surplus well. I, th- I just thought that was a fascinating, like sometimes we, oh, well, that guy's got every advantage in the world. Of course, he's this, that, and the other. Like, no, man, that ain't, that ain't easy. No. Um, and so just, just the story of Jalen Hurts, and of course, not to dismiss Patrick Mahomes um, at all. I just think both of these quarterbacks give us a lot to chew on. And I'm, I'm so excited to, 
to uh, see them use their platform well. But, you know, the one thing about Clark, man, he is a wordsmith. The, the, the snare yeah. of compare, of course, he's famous for spurtability and yeah, things right. like that that he's said through the years. I just, I could listen to him read the phone book. But um, in baseball, we used to call it comparative deniability. And so what you do, Jimmy, is if you go over four or two strikeouts, you know, you know, back in the day when there were actual newspapers, what uh-huh. you do is you'd show up to the clubhouse the next day and you'd pull up the USA Today and you'd look at like Derek Jeter. Oh, well, Derek Jeter went over three with two strikeouts. So I'm good. Like, no, 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 right, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no, you and Derek Jeter have nothing in common. You're not good. <laughs> you need to start playing better. So, uh, I, I, you know, this this comparative deniability, but we can do that in a lot of areas of our life, right? Like, well, you know, they messed up, so it's okay that I messed up or they're doing great, so I better get it going. Like, no, man, like, what has God called you to? I I wrote down, he said, don't let what you can't do get in the way of what you can do. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes that snare of compare is what causes that. You know? Absolutely, yeah. He was fantastic. I could have gone on and on with him. I wanted to ask him about playing horse with (laughs) President of the United States, Barack Obama. The, he's an NBA 2K announcer. Like he, he's he's done so many things, but you'd have to almost pull it out of him for him to talk about himself. So uh, again, when we thank you for being a part of our team, our listeners out there, give us a uh, give us a rating, a review. That just helps our podcast grow, have better influence. Subscribe to us. Comes uh, every uh, every couple of weeks. We we do one of these episodes for you. So I want to close us with a word of prayer this morning, Lord. We love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for our time with Clark Kellogg this morning, Lord, and the truth that he spoke, the truth that you have put in his heart, how you've changed his life, Lord, from the day that he said yes to you, Lord, you've been with him as your promises for all of us. Lord, help us to to learn today, to be coached up by what he said, to take it to heart, Lord, uh, and to just move forward step by step with you as we hold your hand and trust you with our life. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, CB, Till next time, man, Special K was special. Yeah, he was. He was awesome.